when everyone had left and gone home and it was empty and we'd film till like four in the morning. Seven hours for a three minute video. So at the end of that first year, I was just like massively out of my depth at the time. I was let go. For someone looking to build their personal brand now, what's the best way for them to get started? The absolute easiest way to get started is Part of the LinkedIn Creator Programme, my mission over the next six weeks is to create a podcast series where I interview other agency founders on exactly what it takes to build a successful agency. Join me as I set out to understand how they think, hopefully learn some tips and hear their stories. This is Confessions of an Agency Owner. My guest today on Confessions of an Agency Owner is Ash Jones, founder of Great Influence. As one of the original social chain team members, he was working with Stephen Bartlett when they discovered that building his brand was actually more powerful than building the agency's brand. And at that point, his career in personal branding began. I really hope you enjoy the show. I got a lot of value from it. Have a listen. You all right, Ash? Good to see you. I'm all good. Likewise, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Very good. Thank you for coming on. Um, first of all, just straight into a question. So. Personal branding has become a really hot topic over the last couple of years, especially on LinkedIn. How can it play a part in growing an agency or the business? And what does a strong personal brand look like to you? Um, I think there's a load of different like use cases for it, where if you think of like, if you're growing an agency, I think it becomes really, really important because <clears throat> from my experience, agencies are heavily driven by word of mouth and your new customers or new leads come from word of mouth, even like hires, things like that. It all tends to come from word of mouth a lot. And it's very difficult to market an agency well. Um, that's what we found when, so when I was at Social Chain, the problem that we had was it's very difficult to market an agency. And it was a hundred times easier to market a person within the agency to help the agency achieve its goals, whether that was trying to make new hires, whether that was trying to raise the awareness of what they're doing in the industry, win awards, new leads, all this kind of thing. So I think purely from the lens of like growing an agency, it's probably, it's definitely the highest ROI activity that I've seen from a marketing standpoint that an agency can do. And it's also, if you do it right, the lowest cost. So it's like this really strange extreme of both, which really works in an agency's favor. Um, because if you do it well, it doesn't cost anything. And if you do it really well, it can be the highest, like by far the highest driver of an agency's objectives. Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, I've literally, just from my own experience, I put a job post out yesterday. Um, I've got two interviews lined up on Friday straight from that post. If they, yeah. if they turn out well, the, the amount of money that saved me on a recruitment fee, for example, is huge. Yeah. So it's, um... And also on that point, like I think as well, if say you, you, you post and then people apply off the back of you posting, if you've been doing, if you've been quite active and like building a good presence online for a while, those people who are applying, if you take like those two people versus two people that might apply through Indeed, those two people are probably a much, much better fit for the business than the two people that come from a random job board like Indeed because they've applied and they have context when they've applied. Like they follow you and they therefore, know you, basically. Yeah. yeah, they 
they know you, they feel like they are interested in what you're doing or what the agency is doing. Like they've not applied without doing their research and without having known who you are in a sense. So I think you not only get like, you know, in that case, it helps you get more people interested in a potential job role, but the quality of those candidates would tend to be higher as well. Definitely, yeah. So just going back to your journey, just to give all this a bit of context, you're obviously one of the original mm. social chain um, and your position there was a marketing director, which for someone so young, that's, that's quite a big title. How, how did you find that? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like a, uh, a baptism of fire, so to speak. <laughs> um, where there's, so Stephen Bartlett, the CEO of Social Chain, in his he's got a book called happy sexy millionaire and there's a chapter in that about how this all came about where i was given the title of marketing director and it was like i at the time was living in my mum's spare bedroom and i was playing fifa like my full-time job was playing fifa and i was kind of like just gaming multiple hours a day and in my mum's bedroom i was on job seekers lance at the time when i met steve i wasn't really doing anything um, and he kind of makes the point of like where we were as people then that I was given the title of marketing director at that point of my career. It's like my previous job before that was a cleaner in a gym. Um, and social chain had like at the start, like this naivety to it where, you know, it's just a bunch of friends trying to achieve something. And we kind of went like, oh, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this. Right. Whereas really we didn't need the titles. Um, the titles were just probably just to satisfy like ego at the start. Really, I feel like, you know, in, in our business now, Great Influence, there's like seven of us. We don't need titles when we're that small of a team. We just need clarity on what we're doing. Um, so I was given the title of marketing director um, and it was my first job in marketing. Uh, so I went straight in at like near the top uh, and that first year, my, I had one KPI, which was to make social chain known. That was my only goal in my job. Um, and I went about that in the way that anyone who was having a marketing job and their job was to market an agency um, for the first time would. I kind of did all the conventional things that you would think to do if you're trying to market the agency, which is like I, we did uh, a white paper. We did... We had social chain social media channels and blog posts. Blog posts, yeah. We tried to get PR. We did like we did a little event in Manchester that like thirty people came to, and all this kind of stuff. You just try things and see what sticks. Unfortunately, none of it stuck um, at the end of that first year. And we basically we had a budget to spend on like marketing activity, and it didn't really return anything for us, especially not at the pace that we were trying to move at. Which again is like understanding if you're in an agency, like what pace are you trying to move at is really important to like how people are getting on and what you're trying to achieve. And our pace was set ridiculously fast. So given the pace needed, the achievement of what we were getting from my role was next to zero. Um, so at the end of that first year, I was let go. Um, and it was the right decision. I was just like massively out of my depth at the time. And interestingly enough, in the same year that I was trying to like market social chain, the agency, Steve was also trying to sell social chain, the agency. 
And what he was doing was going and doing public speaking. He was just speaking anywhere that would have him. Um, and this was usually like free events where 10, 15 people would turn up in some little basement in London. Like they weren't big events. There wasn't a lot of people. Um, and we were like paying to speak at events also in that first year. And whenever he did that, Social Chain felt the impact of being marketed for the, mm-hmm. like for the first time. Um, and it always worked for us. It helped us with new leads. It helped us with networking. It helped us with hiring. It helped us with even investors, things like that. <clears throat> so in a strange way, he was marketing Social Chain. It's just we weren't labeling it as marketing. We were almost labeling it as him trying to sell. But it was marketing us at the same time. Um, so I, I left Social Chain after the first year. And then there was maybe a period, this was like January 2016. There was a period of about four or five months where me and Steve stayed in touch. And the idea had been floated for a couple of years before that about him doing a YouTube channel. We kind of always spoke about it. And then he did the whole public speaking thing in that first year of social chain. That worked. And the idea in 2016 was like, right, how can we scale the impact of that without scaling the time input because it was very time demanding to go and speak at events. Um, So we saved the event speaking for like the bigger things. And then we thought, how can we get the same impact without the time drain that going and doing these events would do? So therefore came the idea of like, right, okay, we'll start making video content. It's the same thing. Um, And we start, me and Steve started filming like these videos. We'd go into the office at like midnight when everyone had left and gone home and it was empty and we'd filmed till like four in the morning. Um, and we just did that for a few months. And it was very like the whole Stephen Bartlett personal brand thing. It started a hundred percent as like social chain marketing for the first year. It was social chain marketing. It's evolved to something different now, obviously. Mm. Um, but for the first year, that was the whole point of doing it. There was no like Stephen Bartlett, he was just telling the story of social chain for a year um and those early videos were like very much industry thought leadership where it was like we were a social media agency so he would do videos the first ever video we did was this three minute video on how snapchat works so like what what you should know about snapchat which is a social media insight thing um so we did that for for a few months kind of like like harry potter in the cupboard under the stairs hidden away um and then we put those videos out and they really started to work and then it just made sense um and i came back to social chain to and my focus then was the same thing really like i still had the same objective but i now was doing it through a different lens which was market social chain but we'll do that through building steve as a online presence um and then that became my job for the next like three three and a half years so that, that first video um, about Snapchat, because I mean, yesterday I tried doing the intro video to this podcast and it took about 150 yeah. takes, um, about probably right. more than that. Yeah. yeah. Was that first video shot in one take or, you know, did he suffer the same sort of uh, confidence issues at the beginning? I mean, because that first video that anyone does on social is such yeah. a scary thing. Seven hours. Seven hours. Oh, that's better than me yesterday. Then, so that's good. For a three minute video. Um, so, yeah, it took... Yeah, and that was the case for the first, 
he, he got into it pretty quick, but I'd say the first five or six videos that we shot took somewhere between four to seven hours to do each of them. And it was just a case of like take after take after take after take after take. Um, so yeah, that, that's those first six months were just me and Steve from like midnight till the video was done kind of doing it. Um, and yeah, if you, he did, he vlogged in that year and there's like clips of us in the vlog at like three in the morning, having just wrapped up and, and doing another video. Um, and yeah, you, you see him now, like even with the video thing, when he did that first video, he'd been speaking on stages for a while before he filmed that first video and he was competent as a public speaker um, because he'd been doing it ever since I met him when he was 18. He, I remember going to a talk that he did then and he was kind of like doing it here and there from a very early age, like public speaking in front of people, but he wasn't doing video, which is different. So years later, when we go to sit down to shoot that first video, even though he's been public speaking and has become very competent in that field, then it felt like he could just get off the stage and do it with no problem. Video took seven hours to do a three minute thing. So yeah, I think it's it's normal for, for anyone when you're, you know, in front of a camera for the first time, you've also got to find what works for you. I experienced this where, and I think a lot of people will, where put the camera, like stare down the barrel and speak, and I just can't do it. Mm. And the first time I found a way of doing it was I did a, a talk at an event and that was filmed and I had no idea it was filmed. And then they sent me the footage afterwards. And I was like, oh, this feels really, really organic and authentic. Mm. Um, it doesn't feel like, you know, I want to kill or die when I watch it. Um, so yeah, I think it's also, it's not only just about getting in front of the camera and doing it when it comes to that kind of thing, practice makes perfect and you've got to put like your 10,000 hours in to become great at anything. Um, but also it's like, can you create an environment that is less daunting when you're doing it for the first time as well is important. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, obviously like, 99% of the population can't talk as eloquently as Stephen Bartlett. And admittedly, you know, it took him a lot of yeah. practice. But for someone looking to build their personal brand now, what's the best way for them to get started? Um, I think the, easy, the absolute easiest way to get started is almost like not making it personal, um, where it's a really good idea to lean into things that aren't about you. Because I think when the way that some people think about it is, oh, I have to talk about myself and my story and my thoughts and opinions, and I have to open myself up and make myself a voice. And that's a very daunting thing to take the first step of. Whereas if you lean into other things, for example, if you lean into, if you're running an agency, you can lean into what the agency is doing. It doesn't have to be about you. It can just be yeah. you're sharing what's happening within the agency and the the development of it. Um, or you can lean into like commentary where it's like you, you find things that you think are interesting and you add your two cents to it. Um, so yeah, I think that's the easiest way to start with these things is to lean in. That's what I did initially. It was like, I leaned into something that wasn't me until I became comfortable with it. And then I got to a point where I could lean into being me a little, but that took like, two years for me to do. And I think I'm quite similar to the majority of people that try to do this in that it's, you know, I'm not, like you say, Steve is a great 
public speaker. He's great with on camera, all these things. Um, he's a bit of a natural talent, whereas I'm not. So I've had to kind of like cut my teeth from the ground up with it. And it probably took me about 18 to 24 months of leaning into something else and getting used to it that way before I started to lean a bit more into me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what about people that are scared of posting? Because obviously the biggest fear is that you get no traction or you don't know what to post. That That's kind of, I hear that a lot from members of my team. Um, what's your advice to them? Like, How can they start building that traction? Because you're just going to get tumbleweed for the first few posts, aren't you? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, you can look at like context is a good thing where everyone's so numb to like, take i don't know cristiano ronaldo how many instagram followers he's got is if you put all that in like one room i mean it'd be like stadiums upon stadiums upon stadiums upon stadiums but you look at that number on instagram and it just doesn't feel like anything it doesn't feel like you know whatever 100 million it is um and i think that's the thing that exists now in in for everyone is like you look at social media numbers and they're almost like you're numb to it. It's, so the smaller they are, it's like you're, I don't know, you're, you can't live with having five likes almost because you're so used to these insane numbers all the time that there's such a small thing feels like a failure. But there's like context to that where if you get five likes and you've got 10 followers, you've got a 50% engagement rate. Mm. And I think that's, if you're, trying to think of ways to encourage yourself and build confidence early on based off data it's good to look at the engagement rate because you may only have five likes but you may only have 10 followers which then you've got context you know i would imagine that take a stephen bartlett for example his engagement rate might average somewhere like one to 1.5 percent and if you're there or thereabouts you're doing as good a job as anyone else in that field is if that makes sense um but for me personally i just don't look i try to make it so that i agree with what is being posted like do i believe this is the right thing for me to be putting out into the world and then i can't control what happens after that and anyone who's been in this game for a while will know that you literally can't control what happens in that the algorithm decides that day that it's not it's not happening today or something else or there's so many factors that you can't really control the performance of things and i tried to find like a balance between the two where when it comes to actually doing it i just decide what is right and put it out into the world and what happens happens and then but i don't totally ignore what happens i come back to it and when i'll like sit down once a month to kind of review numbers and i'll look at what worked and what didn't from a performance point of view and see if there's any patterns that i can spot or there's any uh any just any information or evidence i can take from those numbers that can help inform me of how to create better so for me it's just like i create and then i put it out into the world what happens happens i can't control that and i try not to let my emotions be attached to that but then when I'm reviewing how I create, I look at the numbers to help me hopefully create a bit better. The numbers don't sway whether I do something or not. It just helps me to figure out like, right, okay, when I'm talking about this thing, it seemed like this bit was what really landed. So next time when I'm creating, I'm gonna keep that in mind, um, but I can't control what happens after that. So I think it's the biggest challenge that people have, especially in starting and 
the comforting thing that I've learned is that it exists at all levels of success in that we've had the opportunity to work with people that have achieved like unbelievable things, built unbelievable businesses, and still they have had that exact same like emotional challenge of putting yourself out there and something not getting traction or the numbers might be right and all this thing. Um, And it really hit home to me when I had a conversation with a client who is literally worth like half a billion and has achieved unbelievable success in his career. And he had that same thing that I and many other people go through of the daunting and emotional aspect of putting yourself out there and the reaction and the social media engagement and all these things. And I just thought, well, if it happens at that level where, you know, he could just, he can just end, he's completed life. Yeah, yeah. And if it still exists there, then it's never not a thing for anyone. Um, And we have another client who, this has just sprung to mind now, where very big name. And he was saying the other day about how he's nervous about doing something for the first time. And you would just never in a million years think that someone with that much level of experience and the height of success that they're at in their field would feel the nervousness of this thing that constitutes them putting themselves out there in the public in some way, shape or form. So I think that's the comforting thing for me as well is that it doesn't go away. Like I now realize that it exists at the very top levels of business, entertainment, everything. And everyone that I've ever met still gets it in some way, shape or form. Um, So therefore, it's kind of like helped me weaponize the feeling where it's like, right, okay, I know I'm not going to get rid of this feeling. So instead, I've got to become comfortable with it and go and do anyway. And I think where 99% of people get caught up is that they don't, they let that feeling live still. And they're not able to just like, they feel that they have to get rid of it. But the reality is you're never going to get rid of it. So instead, it's more about learning to live with it. And because they aren't able to get rid of it, it holds them back from actually doing anything. So 99% of people will like bottleneck themselves um, because they don't understand that that feeling never leaves. So they're waiting for it to go. Um, And that's the thing that I try to tell myself in those situations is it's never going anywhere. So I have a choice. either don't do or I do. The feeling is there regardless. And I think like it can be a bit of a trap, can't it? Because what you do see sometimes is that obviously like you say, getting that bottleneck. But then when someone has a successful post, they start chasing that feeling mm. and, and chasing that big post. And then what you see sometimes is that people releasing really, really personal things on social media. And you sort yeah. of think, well, is there a place, you know, is that to get likes? And, you know, we see like sometimes, you know, people putting other kids in a hospital bed on a picture mm. and it's blatantly to get likes, you know. We saw, um, obviously, the, the crying CEO and things like that, which took a bit of backlash. And yeah, in terms of going back to that engagement and measuring it all, you know, what would be your advice to, to stop chasing the numbers? Is it, is it that engagement rate? Because like you said, if you've got 10 of the right followers and, and 50% of them are engaging, that's a far more targeted audience than having 10,000 followers and five people engaging. <clears throat> yeah, I, I just think it's good to like, when you start doing it, write down what you're trying to get out of it. And you'll often find that none of those things are tied to like social media metrics. 
Um, so if you're like case in point, take both of us like running an agency, the reason why we're doing it might be to like help drive leads into the agency to, um, strengthen relationships that we've got with everybody who follows us, which is a combination of clients, uh, people we've worked with, people in the industry, people like that. Um, it might be to help hire better. It might be to, uh, create like a stronger public perception of the company culture or the work you do, all these things. And none of that is really tied to social media numbers. It's like, if you're, if it's helping drive more leads, that's definitely not tied to social media numbers. And yeah, a lot of it, I think for me, it's just aware, a lot of it is awareness. Um, but in response to the whole, it's a bit of a trend at the minute where it's like people are trying to engineer their, what they say and do in the aim of creating more engagement or more reach. And then there's a scale of that. And we're now seeing like extremes of that scale where like you say, people are going to these extreme lengths to try to engineer social media reach and engagement. And I don't, it's, 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 it's inevitable because it's ego. Like it's, it's ego, it's fame, it's insecurity. It's all these things kind of coming to the fore and somebody's itch will be being scratched by doing what they're doing. Um, mm. And I think that's where it all gets a bit of a bad name is that because people see that, they then associate all of it with that extreme. And therefore they are less likely to engage in doing it themselves or they will berate others for doing it and all that kind of thing. Um, so I think it kind of spoils the party in, in, in a certain way, but then also in another way, if you can stay turning up, there's less people because I think more people are getting switched off over time from doing it because of these extreme examples that's putting people mm. off. Um, I don't think you're ever going to avoid people doing that. And for me, I just try to like, I know why I'm doing it and I try to anchor to those things and it's impossible. Like I have the same thing where it's, I'll, I'll look how something is doing at times and sometimes I won't, sometimes I will. And sometimes I'll be like, why is this not doing, like you build up an idea in your head of how it should be performing based on what you've uh, had in your own evidence. And the challenge is always with that. And you can also get lost in trying to, I don't know if you think of it like a North Star, you can veer off track from your North Star in the name of doing what you think will perform better. And I think that's where it gets really either dangerous or just kind of pointless. Um, and you see it so much where people will, you know, talk about things that aren't even, you know, they shouldn't have, they don't need to have an opinion on those things. And it's not serving any purpose of why you assume they're doing it in the first place. So you, that you therefore assume that they're the only reason that they're doing it is in the name of like social media reach and engagement. Um, and again, it takes discipline. It's like, and I've learned this where I've done things for that purpose and I've learned that there's no point doing them. They don't serve anything. It's much better to be, be the person you are offline, online, and also just stay narrow to what you're trying to be and what you're trying to achieve and not get lost in all that, I think. And it's very easy 
to get lost in all that. And you might think going in this direction is the right thing to do. And then social media, um, like the pull of reach and engagement, visual off track and sends you in this path for a while. And yeah, it's, it's, it's never, I think at the end of the day, if you're running an agency, this, this all to me is like tactical. I don't think if I wasn't running a business, I'd be putting myself out there to the degree that I do. Because I don't, I don't post on Instagram. I use Instagram stories like sparingly, and a lot of it is like private as well. So I have like a small circle of like 10 close friends, and I might use it there more than the public one. Um, I don't use Twitter. I've started to use TikTok, but again, I wouldn't use TikTok if I wasn't running a business. I wouldn't use LinkedIn really if I was running a business. So all of this is kind of like tactical to me. It's, it's serving a purpose that is more than just me doing it. Um, I enjoy doing it, which is really, really important. I think if it's just a tactical thing, you've also still got to enjoy doing it because if it's purely tactical and you don't enjoy it, you're never going to stick with it. Um, so I do enjoy doing it, but it's all serving some kind of purpose for me. So if I then veer off track from that, it loses the whole point of me doing it in the first place. And I'm kind of going in this direction that I don't know. I, I just don't believe is a good use of anyone's time, which is like going after reach and engagement for the sake of going after reach and engagement. And we've, we've had the fortune of seeing the impact of that, where we've, we can see the back end on client data. And there's been posts that have done like a million views and grown the following by five. And then there's been posts that have done 5,000 views and grown the following by 50. So you can see that and you can look at the post and you can go, of course, that post didn't do anything except the number of views. It didn't have an impact on that person's profile past that fleeting moment. It's like the um, here today, gone tomorrow thing. And it just serves a point of ego because it's not actually having any impact on their actual profile. Um, no, you know, people aren't, it's just content which yeah. is very different from building a personal brand. It's just going to say about curating and creating. What's the, you know, repurposing other people's content for views, but mm. creating original content is obviously far more valuable, right? Yeah, this is something that like Steve is, um, if he had like a 10 commandments of doing all this, this would be the most important one. He says it all the time. He's like the most impactful thing that you can do is bring like unique ideas to the world. And it, it's not about bringing unique ideas entirely because it's very difficult to bring something new, but it's like your take on something is say, saying something in a way that's not been said before. So of course the themes are always gonna be the same. Like in our world, it might be like, you know, people, culture, um, the work that we're doing, you know, SEO, all these things, whereas, that everyone spoke about those things, but can you have a fresh look on them in a way that nobody has done before? And he's always a very big advocate of like, bring a unique take to the world. And the worst thing that you can do is say something that's already been said. And uh, he used to have a line that he'd say where it's like, does the world need to hear this from me today? Is like a really good anchor of, of doing mm. that. Um, and I think you can do it in both curated and created in that even when you're curating, you know, some of the best, most insightful things that I've heard have been off the back of like 
being about something else, which is essentially like curation. Um, and yeah, I mean, like take, I don't know, like music reviews. Music reviews are all curated. They're not created because they're going off something that already exists, which is like the album they're reviewing. Um, but people can read them and be like, what an unbelievably great take on this thing that I've heard. Um, so yeah, I think you can have that unique, fresh idea and lens and look at things, whether curated or created. Um, but I would say that created is the probably a stronger path to building like a profile that people follow and gather around and respect and credibility and all those kind of things. But at the same time, you know, some of the biggest voices in the world don't have unique, you know, created ideas that curate, you know, curation, like all, I think like, I don't know, Graham Norton, he's, you know, curating a show and he's talking about current affairs and all these things. And, you know, he's at the top of the entertainment game. So yeah, I think it, it can work in both ways and, it's just about having like a, a take that people haven't seen before a lot of the time. Cool. Well, that's great. So just in summary, if someone looking to build, you know, a presence on, on say LinkedIn now, mm. what advice would you give them in terms of frequency of posting? You know, should they follow particular content themes or pillars? Like you say, you mentioned your North star in terms of like not veering off of that. And, and, you know, what advice would you give to someone just to get started really? So I wrote down for myself recently, I was like, I had a one page slide and I just kind of wrote like, who, who am I? Like I'm a founder. I am a Man City fan. I am, I have a dog. I really interested in personal development. I have ADHD. I just listed all the things that I am. Um, and then I listed all the things that I think I'm interested in talking about. And it's all very basic but it helps to just give like this grounding foundational thing for you to look at, to know what you're trying to bring into the world. So I can write all those things down and then I go, right, okay, well, my dog isn't really gonna be part of this. So that, that gets crossed out and things get crossed out. And then I'm left with this like clear list of like who I am and what I think I'm interested in talking about, who I'm trying to talk to, who would be useful for me to have like in my network? This is all like networking at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, it's a case of like, okay, what am I trying, like, what am I trying to achieve out of this? What goals, if there are any, am I trying to have? And just answering those like four or five simple questions is like a really good and very strong basic foundation for, for doing it all. And then from there, I think it's just experimenting, trying a bit of everything and seeing what, what sticks for you most importantly. And then also what sticks in terms of, you know, the 10 people that might follow you on day one, what sticks with them? And does that change over time as that audience potentially grows as well is, is also something, um, yeah, always coming back to it, like reassessing those questions of like, what, what does the audience resonate with from what I'm saying and things like that is really important. How, how have you found it? What's your, you've been doing this for a while. If, if you had to take from your experience and distill that into your thoughts on firstly, why it's, why you found it to be a valuable thing to do. And also how you, if you had to start again, would approach that now. 
Yeah, I mean, so I've been doing LinkedIn for, well, years now. And what I found was that, you know, literally you could trace back a, a lead or, or a conversation to a direct post. And I think, you know, so much of our business comes from LinkedIn. People basically build that familiarity of you over time. And, and you know, I had a conversation just yesterday where he's like, I feel like I know you. And I was like, well, that's the point, right? That's by, by pointing on social media, you know. And I guess, like, how much of your personal life you put into it is, like, I think I'm unsure of still. But people do relate to that. And, and you have conversations. You know, I'm doing an extension on my house. And the amount of times that comes up in a conversation because I put a post about it on, on, on LinkedIn. I think the value of it for me is huge. It's what worries me a little bit is building my business based on just my own brand. So building my company's brand is, is really important as well. I think one thing I'm still not sure of completely and, you know, testing and experimenting what to post and what your message is and, and building that solid theme. I still don't think I've nailed that. And I've been doing this, you know, for, for quite a long time. If I was to start again, I think, you know, looking at, like we spoke about earlier, like engagement and things like that aren't, aren't the be all and end all. Uh, I think building a following is important, um, but building the right following, you know, not just connecting with anyone. Um, and I think just testing, experimenting and finding your own way is really important. But I think one thing again that I found is like I was posting stuff sometimes that I thought was really important, but the people around me would be reading too much into it. So, you know, might be people that work for me and they, they might think that's a message about them when it's really not. Or, you know, I was keen on posting about, you know, because one thing that bugs me about LinkedIn quite a lot, and we've spoken about this before, is like the people that just are winning all the time. And I just think that's bullshit. You know, like we are all struggling with the same things in business. We are all faced with the same problems. And when you start unearthing that and talking about that, a lot of people relate to it. But it can also have a bit of a negative effect in that people think, oh, shit, they're in trouble, you know. When they're not, you just, you know, we all have the same problems. So what I would do if I started again tomorrow, I don't really know. I think I would, I would, I'd probably sit down and be a bit more planned about it. There's a lot of, like you say, throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks became a bit of a part. But then also you learn over time there's certain structures of posts, that you could post at any time that you know would get good reach, you know, like the introduction posts on LinkedIn or, or, or you know, really showing vulnerability, etc. They're always going to get high engagement. And I think that's what made me ask at the beginning about people that post that stuff. They suddenly become hooked on that, that engagement and that, that, that feeling of getting that much engagement. That then suddenly it becomes quite dangerous because mentally they start putting stuff out on social that is that really healthy to sort of be opening your whole life on social just to try and fulfill that feeling of getting that many reactions. So I think for me, LinkedIn's been huge. It's, it's you know, definitely been a massive part of building my business. Um, and I've really seen the value of it. Yeah, I think you have that point that you make about like stakeholders is really important. If you're running a business, it's like the way that I've always tried to look at it from my point of view and also anyone that we've worked with is always like stakeholder first mm. so it's like how what is the perception of what you're saying internally or with clients or with 
potential investors or anything like that. And it's like a really fine line that you have to tread. You're not, um, you're not approaching social media in the same way that, I don't know, Dan, the 18 year old TikToker is who doesn't have any responsibilities and doesn't yeah. have any stakeholders. Um, he can kind of do as he pleases. And I think a lot of people get caught up in that <clears throat> and forget that that's the case. Um, and it always has to be, this is again, it's why it's like being tactical. It's like making sure that what you're pu putting out into the world is meeting all the things that it needs to meet. And it's not just the case of like putting something out because you had that thought that day. It's, it's about being tactical with what that thought is. You've um, always got to have an internal censorship, haven't you? In terms of, yeah, I'm thinking that, but is it right <clears> to post it or not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, sometimes you have to like, take the loss of this would be a good thing to post for the win of like, okay, yeah, that's not the right thing for us to be doing right now. Um, and I think that is like something that maybe people get lost in at times is, is the balance of that in play. Um, and also the long term of it as well. You see at the minute, there's like a lot of talk around company culture, uh, people, balance, work-life balance, well-being, hustle, all these things like very big online conversations in business. And therefore people feel that that's where they're going to give their voice to. But what you say impacts the long term as well. So if you're saying something one year and the next your company is doing something different, it's like you're being a contradiction. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and there's a whole thing of like, um, I think there's a trend of people going in a very, I don't know, it's, it's very easy to paint yourself as like uh, a hero maybe. And I've had to learn this where it's like, I've spoken a lot about culture and it's very easy to, at first thought, like paint yourself as the good guy and, or the perfect guy or the one who's doing everything right. And I've kind of had to like make sure, and it's like editing yourself to make sure you're not painting yourself in a way that you can't, it's impossible to maybe stay true to. I don't know what five years down the line for a great influence looks like. So I can't make a statement now that if somebody looks back on in five years, isn't true. So it's like finding that balance as well, which is very difficult in today's, um, like, you know, business world of, and the, the topics that are very well discussed. Um, again, it's like having that internal thought process of like, is this something that if I'm held to account of, can I stand up yeah, against yeah. today and next year, if that makes sense. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. So just finally, we started at FIFA 17 and, you know, social chain ruining your FIFA career with the late night videos. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward yeah. to FIFA 23 and beyond. What's the plan for great yeah. influence over the next three to five years? Are you looking to scale up? <clears throat> Are you staying on, you know, the personal branding front? What, what's your plans moving forward? Um, for me personally, it's never been about growing something big and I've been part of a big agency and <clears throat> there was a talk that 
one of the investors in Spotify, one of the first investors, a guy called Shaq, came in and spoke to us at Social Chain. And he said that uh, every business in terms of headcount is an entirely different one from the last. So it was like zero to 10, 10 to 25, 25 to 50, 50 to 100, so on and so forth. It's an entire different business from the previous. And there'll be people who can transition and succeed and, and love the next phase. <clears throat> and there'll be people who don't enjoy the next phase and they struggle to adapt and all those things. Mm. And I was that like zero to 10, zero to 15, zero to 20 guy at Social Chain. Um, so that has always been like the focus for me with great influence is like knowing what I would enjoy turning up to every day. And I've had the fortune of like, we work with a lot of clients and they also run businesses and you get the insight of what they're all like in a sense. Um, so yeah, I just know that I wouldn't enjoy something that was big in terms of like, volume of how many people we work with or how many people we hired. So I don't know what the path is, but I know what the, f the structural framework yeah, looks yeah. like. And it's, it's a case of like figuring out what is the best way to provide value for people from great influence in that framework and then sticking to that, um, which may mean that, you know, that may, it may also change in the future. Again, you don't know if in five years, but that's kind of always been my thinking on it is like a smaller operation and trying to go deeper with a small amount of people, both internally and in terms of who we've got in the team and also externally in terms of who we work with. I think knowing your end goal is so important, isn't it? To, to building your business, I think. Someone said that to me the other day and it really made me think, yeah. So yeah, finally, last every... question. Every oh, sorry, decision. It, I, was, I was going to say it defines every decision, doesn't it? You, and you can make like wrong decisions based off not having that clear outcome of where you're going as well. And it's very easy to get like shiny object syndrome where you're like, oh, we'll do this thing because it's new and it looks interesting and all that mm. kind of thing. And that tends to come in my experience from not sticking to the path that we kind of thought we were on. Yeah, totally. So final question. Um, LinkedIn's full of branding experts at the moment, personal branding experts, lots of selfies and everything going on. If someone's looking for support from a personal branding agency, what would you advise they look for? Um, I think the big thing for a lot of people is it's very difficult to step outside of yourself. That's, I found that personally and I've also noticed other people saying it. I had a call yesterday where I felt that again. Um, and it's very difficult for somebody to step outside themselves and view themselves as like a brand almost. And I think that's like the real value is finding someone who can help you help step outside of you and be able to look from like that bird's eye view of and or holistic view and be able to create like a direction for that person based off that. And it's the reason why we have like personal trainers, it's the reason why we have therapists, the reason why we have coaches, all these things is because it's very difficult for us to step outside of ourselves. So therefore the other person plays that role of being able to not be us, but able to look at us and say, what are the things that we need to think about and all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I'd say it's, uh, especially as this, whole thing gets more you know more people doing it therefore the noise is going to be greater 
um, it's even more important that you figure out who you are and how you best bring that to the table, which is a strategy thing and a mm -hmm. thinking thing. So I think it's, it's best to work with people who think in that way. It's less about the output and more about the input. The output is the content that comes out and things like that. And the input is like you. Um, so yeah, I'd focus on finding someone who's better input than output. Brilliant. Nice one. Ash, been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for coming on.